Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast about love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak, and today we're doing something a little bit controversial. Actually, a lot of bit controversial. We are talking about cheating, and specifically women cheating. <laughs> Not everybody is on board with this, and yeah, that's part of the deal. It's called cheating. This is part two in our three-part series on why women cheat underneath Ashley Madison and female infidelity. This is actually a blast from the past. It's coming to us from the archives a couple years ago, back when Sophia was co-hosting. And this is a timeless taboo. So I thought I would bring it back, put it on the feed again. Last week, we heard from Nikki who is an Ashley Madison client, who is or was an Ashley Madison client. And I actually got, <laughs> I already got a response on that and it was not good. I got a one-star review on Apple Podcasts. It says, I used to love this show. The podcast has been really intriguing in topics and insights in the past, but I draw the line at encouraging infidelity and thinking it's funny lying to a partner. It wasn't just an interview. It was literally cheerleading the affair. There was no pushback at all, even when the guest expressed the double standard on if she caught the partner. This is not a consensual situation. Disgusting. Okay, first of all, yeah, cheating is not consensual, <laughs> for sure. And I said at the beginning of last episode, I do not condone cheating. I have never cheated on anyone in my relationships. I personally would rather be a little more on the up and up ethically. Like if I wanted to do that, I would probably pursue an open relationship. But this is not about me. And I have actually been cheated on in the past and it sucks. It feels terrible. And those relationships didn't last. And sometimes the cheating was just a symptom of a bad relationship that needed to end anyway. So all that to say, I hear you, One Star Review. I hope you come back and give the show another chance. I am not cheerleading an affair. <laughs> But if I am inviting a topic to be discussed on my show and I'm inviting guests on my show, I am going to try to understand them in a non-judgmental way. Of course, we want our interviews to be in depth and have pushback when appropriate, but I am certainly not having people on the show so that I can judge them to their face. <laughs> That's not the goal either. So anyway, I would really appreciate a five-star review 
from someone on Apple Podcasts to counteract this. Actually, a few of them would be nice. You can do it super easy. You can go to ratethispodcast.com slash private, leave a five-star review, and say something sweet about the show. I would love that so, so much. So anyway... I think you'll find some pushback in today's interview with Paul. Paul is the chief strategy officer at Ashley Madison, and he gave us a little bit more context for our conversation with Nikki last week in this week's interview. And then next week, we're going to talk to Isabella, who co-authored The Good Wife Study. And without further ado, please enjoy part two of our Why Women Cheat series. Well, Paul, this is exciting because yesterday we talked to a client who is going by Nikki. And so we got the whole client perspective first. So I'm kind of excited to dig into it with you after that. Excellent. Soph, do you want to kick it off? Yeah. First of all, what drew you to the business of married dating, I guess? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. So Prior to joining Ashley Madison, I had actually worked as a communications consultant. And I worked for a lot of big brands you would all recognize, you know, the Fortune 500, if not bigger. And what I found interesting about Ashley compared to that sort of work was Ashley Madison is a lot more upfront and honest about what we are, what we're doing, and what our product offers. You know, there's a lot of sparkly beverages, and I won't name names because they probably get in trouble for doing so. I'll tell you that they're part of a you know balanced diet. They completely can fill a, a role within your diet, and you know equal to water. And that's a lot of horseshit, quite frankly. And Ashley Madison is upfront out there. I mean, our tagline is "Life is short, have an affair." I mean, there's no hidden agenda with regards to what we're trying to do and, and what our product offers. And so that was really appealing. And then on top of it, you know, we're based in Canada, so um, the idea that I could do work around the world and travel. And I've been to a lot of amazing places, really, really sort of piqued my interest at the time. And, you know, obviously we've gone through a whole lot because I joined in 2013, but it's been an amazing ride since. Tell us a little bit about, well, you guys had your massive data breach that kind of was shitty for you guys. (laughs) Yeah. What year was that? So you heard about that. Shocking. (laughs) We actually knew some people that were involved. So... We refer to it as the events of 2015, so that gives you the time frame. Um, yeah, it was you know it, it was a, a moment where we let our members down, quite frankly. Besides all the issues that we as a as a company and me individually had to deal with, you know, ultimately we let our members down, and I think that was the hardest part about it because what we offer beyond anything else is discretion, and that's what's made our business so successful. And at that moment in time, we didn't deliver on that expectation and caused. A lot of problems, but we've learned from it and we've definitely grown from it. So, yeah, I want to know what you guys have done to make sure that that doesn't happen again. I mean, it is a little bit like because I signed up and I made a fake email and had a not my real name on there. But you do want your members to feel safe and secure when they're doing having affairs on your watch. Yeah, absolutely. So during the, the time in 2015, when we we're going through the worst of the worst, what was interesting and what really informed a lot of our thinking post-2015 was we had more than 100,000 people joining a day during the month of August of 2015. So prior to that, we were about 30,000 people a day. 
So the mass interest in the coverage around the, those events drew a lot of attention. Now, sure, a ton of those people were signing up to say, is this real? Is it what's out there? Maybe it was journalists. But our revenue was growing too. So it told us that our offering was still legitimate, but we had to fix some stuff. So it started with how do we reimagine security, not just as a checkbox that says, oh, we bought this technology or we implemented this new feature. Great, we're done for today. Um, so it started with bringing on a whole new security team that reimagined security, not just as a piece of technology, but as technology, as a process, and as a people-oriented aspect. Every single person involved with the company at Ashley is involved in security, not just our security team. And I think that's a massive shift for an organization to go through. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a great question. So before, in a lot of companies, not just us, but before us, you know, most companies weren't as concerned about, you know, enterprise level security risks, risks in the way they are probably today, because it hasn't just been us. And there was a security team and they would look at security and they'd look at, okay, we're going to implement two-factor verification. We're going to upgrade our password technology this way. And they handled it. No one else really worried about it. But now we look at it because we have to understand that security, you know, deals with phishing attacks. So if I get an email from someone saying, hey, Paul, it's your boss, I need you to send me $10,000. You know, I'm in a meeting and I got to get this deal done. That's happening around the world. So everybody needs to be involved with it and understand what are we doing on a day-to-day basis. So we have regular updates from our security team that talks about what are we implementing from a technology perspective? Why are we doing it? Why do we want our members to either know about it or be involved with it so that they can, you know, have an eye to what they see on the site to be a first warning system. Our team is amazing. They do a really good job. And every time we build a new feature, every time we're building a new function, they're involved from the start to ensure that security is baked in, not an add-on at the back end where we say, oh, we'll just lock the front door, because it's not just that. So it's a comprehensive approach. And by doing this, you know, we have a lot of confidence. And so when I came back to the company, because I left for a year, I came back in 2017, we we're signing up eh, 10 or 12,000 a day. Now we're over 20,000 a day. So Clearly, the work we're doing is resonating with our community, and I think it's paying dividends for them and for us, obviously. So you're the chief strategy officer. That's your title, right? Correct. So security is obviously like a huge pillar of your brand now. Mm -hmm. What are the other pillars or aspects that you focus on to make sure you're reaching the right clientele and serving them? So it's a combination of, you know, how are people looking at technology as a bridge to connect with people who are similar to them. You know, what's interesting about our members on Ashley Madison is that they are probably the most honest dating profiles you'll see compared to a Tinder or or a, a match or any harmony because on those sites, you're trying to present your best self or a false sense of yourself in either to find a life partner or a tonight partner. Whereas right. on Ashley we've lived a life, we've gone through all these different aspects, and we've realized what's missing. And so most people are looking for those, you know, that small, confined experience, and they are very clear about it. They don't worry about trying to be them best selves, because that's not what they need in this site. Uh, so when we're looking at, you know, how do we help that? We're looking at how do we change our chat functionality? How do we change our search functionality to find, help better pair people up? Discretion is a key aspect. So, you know, just because we have a lot of security, you still want to have discretion within the site so that when you're talking to someone, you can reveal a little bit about yourself piece by piece by piece. So we're constantly looking at how are people interacting with one another and how can we better that interaction to fulfill what they're looking for, whether it's physical or cyber only. 
Can you walk us through a little bit of the difference between what an Ashley Madison profile looks like and what, say, a Tinder profile looks like? Yeah, sure. So I think Tinder profiles, all the guys have their shirts off and they've got a big fish that they caught because they're showing their awesome masculinity off. Um, no. I had bikini <laughs> pictures. <laughs> pictures with my dog. <laughs> yes, dogs are always a winner. Totally. So. Yeah, if you go on a Tinder, you know, you're going to have your, your scroll of photos, you know, your six packs, your bikinis, cleavage, you know, you're presenting your best feature as you see it to attract people that you think are going to like those aspects of you. So the difference with our site is, yes, we have profile pictures. Most people on our site have an obscured profile picture. They're not putting up their face for pretty much obvious reasons. We have a secondary photo system, basically a private key system that you could put your more personal photos in. That could be your face or something more revealing or intimate that you share with somebody when you are at the point where you're comfortable acknowledging a little bit more about yourself, maybe you want to be a little bit more risque. And what's interesting about the system is it allows you to pull that key back. So, you know, Courtney and I might be chatting away and I share my photos with her and, you know, it either doesn't proceed to the next stage and I can pull that key back so she no longer has access to my private locker and I can change the photos as I see fit. And that's a really interesting sort of dynamic that, again, provides discretion and control for our members. And it's a feature I think they really like a lot. Oh, I love that. Uh, is there a way to prevent people from, say, you gave Courtney a key and she wanted to just download those photos before you took it back? Is there anything to prevent that? No, I mean, the reality is, I mean, you could just literally take your, your smartphone and take a picture of the screen. So you can do a lot of technology around that. But we advise all our members about, you know, the risk. They're usually pretty upfront in understanding about what's at stake. So they're not putting up their face photos that often. And, you know, they will might merge to a more private channel that's disassociated from Ashley to share some other more risque or personal photos, whether it's a, a instant messaging or something like that, that's done under a pseudonym. But no, obviously we can't prevent that wholly. We wish we could, but we just know we can't. Continue about what else the profiles are like. So obviously we allow people to sort of describe themselves and what they're looking for in detail in their profile bio. And then we have some check marks about, you know, particular interest or activities that are often desired within our membership, whether it's a threesome, whether it's BDSM, role play, those kind of things you can tick off. So people know these are the spaces I want to play within. And if it doesn't fit your domain or your interest, you know, you don't have to worry about it. So we have a lot of upfront information about, you know, where the individual is from a city perspective, obviously not down to a, a, an intersection. And it gives people a lot of ability to sort of determine which member is going to be interested in me and which member is not going to be interested in me. And then, you know, it, the, the chat function works like most dating prospects. The difference is that for a woman to communicate with a man, it's free. But if a man wants to send a message to a woman or read a message from a woman, it costs him eight credits, which is going to be between three and five dollars, depending on which package you buy. But it's free to talk to her after that first initial message is sent. So that is a slightly different dynamic than a lot of different sites. So it enforces an idea that, you know, the, the spray and pray approach that a lot of people do on Twitter, uh, the swipe life doesn't mm -hmm. really come to play in our site. So guys have to be a little more thoughtful in their messaging. But if they do attract a interest from women, then they can continue that conversation free of charge uh, as they see fit. Yeah, you really got to build the innate male horniness into your business model to serve you best. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's the interesting thing. And that's, that is the expectation. And quite frankly, 
knowing our history, I wasn't around when we launched in 2002. That was a lot of the driving factors. But here's the interesting thing. We did some work with Alicia Walker from uh, Dr. Alicia Walker from the University of Missouri, and she did a study on why women cheat. And it turns out it's purely sexually driven. 80% of the women on Ashley Madison were there because they were either in an orgasmless or a sexless marriage. They you know, weren't looking for emotional validation. They didn't need someone to tell them they're pretty. They wanted good sex. There's literally a chapter in her book, I believe, called There's Always Room for Big Dick because some women go up there <laughs> specifically for that dynamic because it's missing in their, in their intimate life. She's actually releasing her second study, her book. It's coming out this October. And it showed that the men were cheating for emotional validation. So it flips the script completely. Men want to be wanted. Women just want to get D. That's good. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So yesterday we were talking to Nikki and she was telling us that her experience on the site, she was very sexy, but she was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not like a super prize. And I had dudes like a hundred dudes just lined up ready to talk to her on the site. So I'm curious, how male does it skew? And then how do you try to pair people together? And do women kind of just have the pick of the litter? Well, I don't know if women have the pick of the litter. Again, because the, the memberships are a little bit more honest about what they're looking for, you know, people broadcast very clearly the dynamic or the experience they're looking for. So people match, first and foremost, on geography. Are you close by? You know, we're not trying to match somebody in New York with somebody in Miami. That doesn't make sense. If you're having an affair, you want it to be close by, relatively speaking. So geo's first and foremost. Uh, but in terms of the balance, you know, that's a question we get a lot because one, people really don't believe that women cheat. And I'm like, who do you think all these guys have been cheating with all these years with? I mean, and honestly, that's just a misogynistic approach because then you're, what you're saying is that women don't want good sex. And that's why people cheat. They're not getting that. So we actually brought in Ernst & Young, the big accounting firm, a couple of years back to go into our whole system and validate what the balance of active female accounts are to active paid male accounts because only paid male accounts can talk to women. And it was slightly more women than men. In 2019, it was 1.1 active female accounts for every one active paid male account. So it's a very balanced community. Interesting. We are doing a lot of male-female talk right now, mm -hmm. but like not everyone breaks down on the binary and stuff. Right. What is Ashley Madison doing to include users that are not just cis-het? When we first opened up, uh, we were probably one of the first dating brands that, you know, was a little bit more open to the LGBTQT community. We had male seeking male and female seeking female 
profiles, and we've always had that. So within them, that dynamic, it allows people to focus more on what they're seeking. On our roadmap, we have to look at, you know, better descriptions in terms of what my profile is, because right now you sign up either as male seeking female, and that could either be an attached male or a single male, and same for females, attached female seeking male, single female seeking male, and then same sex, female seeking female, male seeking male. So we've had those for years, and that's a small portion of our site, maybe I'd say seven or eight percent. But I know because of what we offer, primarily discretion, we do attract a lot of people from different communities and across the gender spectrum. So whether it's transgendered, whether it's bisexuality, whether it's polyamorous, a lot of those people find it a discretion that we offer attractive because you might be in an open polyamorous relationship that you and your friends know about. Maybe your parents don't know about it. Maybe your colleagues don't know about it and you don't want them to. And so our site is very open and welcoming to that whole community. And we do have a constituency that fits that bill. We don't track it in a way that is obvious, but I've talked to a lot of members over the years. And so I know they do exist. But in terms of the, the descriptors, we're probably not where we need to be, but we're working towards getting better enrollment on our, our sign up page from that perspective. What are the metrics on men and women who are looking for attached partners or not attached? Like how many people are like, I need the security of knowing the other person is also married so that it feels like, oh, it's there's not even going to be a chance of it going further because we both have families to risk or whatever. Is that something that is more common or less common? Do people tend to look for attached or single? I actually signed up when I was single. So it is kind of interesting to think about that not everybody who signs up necessarily is in the the cheating scenario. No, not at all. Because again, it goes back to the idea of discretion. You know, people looking to do certain activities without the bright light of the public domain that Tinder puts you out under. So we don't track that stuff because quite frankly, we try to limit how much information we track about our members for a whole host of reasons. But the, the least amount of data possible is what we, we get. So it's more anecdotal, but absolutely. Our whole premise originally was around the idea of mutually assured destruction. The idea that if I'm having an affair as a married man, I would want to have it with a married woman because she's not going to do anything to cause us to be discovered as am I because I don't want to be discovered either. So we definitely have most of our married people looking for that type of experience. But there are certainly others who, you know, aren't as concerned about it. We have a lot of single people who join the site for a variety of reasons. They find it alluring. They find the illicitness of affair appealing to themselves. And so they'll join and they seek that. And, you know, we have people who are joined as a couple who are seeking unicorns. We have people who are in an a, a adulterous relationship who are now seeking a third for their adulterous relationship. So the, the variety is endless. Um, and it's really up to the constituency of our membership sort of disclose who they are and what they're looking for. But I would say the majority of the married people prefer to have an affair with a married person because it's cleaner in terms of entanglements and the risk is equalized. Yeah, that's what we found when we talked to Nikki yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it also speaks to the idea, again, you know, our main competition is not Tinder or eHarmony, maybe Facebook a little. Um, it's actually the workplace. It has been always been the workplace because that's where affairs start. You know, you're working late nights. You've got to go on a business trip. You're going to a convention. And we're seeing more and more these days that affairs in the workplace, you know, they're not just jeopardizing your marriage. They're jeopardizing your whole career. And companies no longer are just getting rid of the junior person, which often, you know, was a woman who is having an affair with a more senior male. 
CEOs are getting dumped for affairs that happened years ago. Companies are saying, we're not going to have it anymore. So basically, affairs are not safe for work. Come have them at Ashley Madison. Do you personally have any like ethical qualms about the business? Has it influenced your life in any way negatively when people find out what you do? Because I feel like there's so much stigma, right? Sure, yeah. And, you know, I like I said, I've joined the company twice. So twice I had a conversation with my wife because I'm a married man. I'm a father. First time was probably a little bit more uh, in-depth about what on God's greenness are you doing and what does this mean? Uh, what are you trying to tell me? But fortunately for me, my wife and I actually met at work. We both worked in communications. And she understands the opportunity from a pure career standpoint, you know, what Ashley presented to me from that standpoint. So we didn't have any of those issues. And it's one of the questions I actually ask all our new or potential employees is, you know, have you thought of or have you had conversations with your friends, families, and spouse about potentially working with us? And you know, a lot of them are like, oh, I didn't really think about it. And I said, you should. But here's the interesting thing. You actually don't get the blowback you think you're going to get. It's quite the opposite. Every time I go to a party and people find out I'm that guy, people come <laughs> over and like, oh, so can you tell me, is it true? Is it work? And it's amazing because people want to know what's really happening behind the scenes and, you know, whether it's just pure curiosity or, you know, a potential like, Hey, maybe I want to do it. I'm always being asked about it. And so, no, I, I've had no negative blowback. People are just fascinated at what happens at the company and, and what I get to do. And it's, it's been an amazing ride. So I am curious though, let's just set your current wife aside. <laughs> would, can you see yourself in a relationship where you would be a client? So I'll answer that two ways. First, one of the interesting things working at Ashley Madison is obviously, yes, we're the world's largest married dating website, but in a perverse way, in some people's eyes, probably, we're the world's largest marriage counseling service. Because if you don't want your spouse to end up on Ashley Madison, you're going to listen to me tell you why all our 20,000 people a day are joining. And then maybe you'll learn something. So that influences me and helps me become a better husband because I know why all these women are joining so that I don't do the same things their husbands are doing so hopefully i'm a, been a better husband since joining i don't know if my wife would agree with that you son of a <laughs> bitch that is quite the sell i can see why You're good at your job yeah, yeah i can see why the fortune 500 companies and ashley wanted you you just sold me on it if i'm your wife i'm like yeah that sounds really reasonable <laughs> have fun at work honey yeah <laughs> Unfortunately, she sees through most of my bullshit, so I don't get to skate on anything. No, you know, hypothetically speaking, if the point in time came in our relationship where a key aspect was missing, more often than not, it's in the intimate world. And my wife said to me, that's it. This is off limits for whatever reason. But she wasn't planning to leave me. And, you know, divorce wasn't on the table. You know, I'd have to think long and hard about that. Um, I'd have to think, you know, what is it I want in this relationship? What is it we want as a relationship? and have a really in-depth conversation. And what's fascinating is a lot of our members do have those conversations. And more often than not, it's the women going to their husbands saying, listen, I need this. And it's very specific. And men, because male toxic masculinity often prevents men from being willing to move beyond what they've you know, seen in traditional porn, that this is how sex is, and it's the only way, and I can't adjoin any other way. And any other way would be, you know, oh God, I'm gay if, I, if you touch my butt. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> So women are forced to make much harder decisions than guys, I think. And I think I would have to look at a variety of options, but I wouldn't look at it as it necessarily as a failure of the marriage or as a incomplete 
relationship so long as we're having that conversation. But we're in a different dynamic because I work there. I know different things and I've had a lot of different experiences talking with our members. I'm not the average person as it relates to that. But, you know, I, I understand why and I have a lot of empathy for why most of our members are joining the site. Yeah. People are complicated. Relationships are complicated. Yeah. Um, sex is really complicated. <laughs> sex is also complicated. This has been awesome. This has been so awesome. informative and great. Thank you so much for your time. I mean, I'm no Nikki, but I appreciate <laughs> you guys taking the time to chat with me. And I, uh, you didn't have your boobs in the yeah, screen. Yeah, literally, the whole time. literally, that was what we were talking to when we were talking to Nikki. It was, it was awesome. incredibly erotic. We were like, this seems right. Thanks again to Paul. God damn it. He is good at his job, isn't he? <laughs> I actually had Paul back recently to have another follow-up conversation about 2024 relationship trends. And spoiler alert, non-monogamy is a huge part of that conversation. So he is actually going to be back on the show. In just a couple weeks, you will be hearing from Paul again. And thank you for tuning into this episode of Private Parts Unknown. Like I said, stay tuned right here. I've got another sexy episode coming your way next week. We are actually going to finish up the Why Women Cheat series with Isabella next week. So for the latest episodes, look down and make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast player now. To stay in touch between episodes, follow me at Courtney Kosak. That is K-O-C-A-K on Instagram and Twitter. And follow the show at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and at Private Parts Un on Twitter. And I am shamelessly trying to hit the top 1% on OnlyFans always and forever. So if you are interested in a Playboy style peek behind the podcast, you can subscribe to my OnlyFans account. It is OnlyFans.com slash Coco Peep Show. Again, OnlyFans.com slash Coco Peep Show. It is just a horny and fun way to help support the show. So again, if you are interested, join me on OnlyFans. It's OnlyFans.com slash Coco Peep Show. And of course, subscribe to our newsletter. It is privatepartsunknown.substack.com. The link is in the episode description for that. And subscribe to the Private Parts Unknown YouTube channel for the video version of a bunch of episodes. It is youtube.com slash privatepartsunknown. Again, youtube.com slash privatepartsunknown. And even if you don't want to watch all the videos, just subscribe over there because it really helps us out in the algorithm. And check out my other podcast for more of my audio creation. I have The Bleeders about book writing and publishing and Podcast Bestie, which is a best friend to podcasters trying to grow and monetize their shows. Shout out to Amy Rausch for the bomb ass theme music. For more info about Amy and her music, check out amyrausch.com. That's Amy, R-A-A-S-C-H.com. This episode was mixed by my beloved audio guy, Michael Castaneda of Plastic Audio. And please, please, please go to ratethispodcast.com slash private and give us a five-star rating and review. Not only are we trying to overcome that one-star rating that we got last week, boo, but we are trying to get to 285 ratings on Apple Podcasts. And we are trying to get to 140 ratings on Spotify. So I just want to celebrate we recently hit 
280 on Apple Podcasts and 135 on Spotify. So you guys have been awesome about helping us out. We are just constantly trying to grow and reach more people. So if you are listening and you want to leave us a five-star rating and review, which would make my freaking day, just go to ratethispodcast.com slash private. Or if you're listening on Spotify, hit the follow button, hit the bell button, and then after that wheel, hit the three dots, and then you can rate the show right there. They've got a new system for it. And there is one more way you can help support the show. We are now on the Fountain app. So if you are listening on a V4V platform and you get value from this show, you can support us by sending a boostagram or sending some sats for streaming. And you can even send a comment along with your boost. And those are my favorite messages to get because they come with a little bit of money. Thank you so much for sticking with me until the end. Until next time, stay curious and keep exploring. Love you, privates.